0: Following the message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. For about 14 years I was pastoring rural churches in the Panhandle, cowboy churches, country guys. You know how you tell a country preacher? He has a well-worn pair of cowboy boots on usually has a big belt buckle and maybe even a ball cap. But uh, (laughs) this morning, um, we're going to talk about something, fearless faith. And uh, when the pastor asked me to do the series on it, I I really dug into it. And it's uh, it's interesting, really interesting to me. Last time I spoke, we talked about Abraham uh, primarily. And today we're going to talk about uh, Abraham and Sarah specifically. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 19. Now, before we start, I have 27 slides. The teacher in me came out. I probably could have put another 40 slides up. So I'm not going to do that. They're all, all the verses that I'm going to use are uh, on the uh, website this morning. So I'll read them, but I'm not going to put them on the slide. Okay. So this morning, let's start on uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, and if you would, they're up on the screen so you can read along with me, okay? By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Uh, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she was considered him faithful who had promised. Verse 12 says, Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, was born descendants as many as the stars in the heavens, and as many as innumerable sands by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For the people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. This morning, the, in my opinion, the context of the whole book of Hebrews faces on Christ's fulfillment of all the Old Testament types and shadows. Christ fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures, all the prophecy. Chapter 10 of Hebrews reminds us that we have one high priest who always intercedes for us and who can draw near to God and we hang on to this profession until the very end. You know, if you summarize Hebrews chapter 10, verses 38 and 39, it says, The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And, but then we come to chapter 11, which explains really what that means. In our time today, faith is often confused with work, with works. But we know that it's authored by Christ And it's a fruit of the Spirit, our works. We know that faith is something a believer receives from God. And I'll explain that in a little bit. Some pastors will call chapter 11 the the hall of faith. I use it as the hall of God's handiwork. It's really God's hand in everything. If you looked at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. Not by a result of your works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, this little account in Hebrews about Abraham, it shows how Jewish heroes... We're dependent on Christ to please God. You know, we, we've established, I think, uh, in my mind, that faith is the substance of things not seen or hoped for and the evidence of the things not seen. I give I give example when someone asks me, well, how do you know you have faith? How can you trust things? We talked about this morning. Anybody ever fly in an airplane? Anybody know the pilot? or the co-pilot or the guy that fixed the engines or changed the tires or how old the airframe was itself we have faith in that faith in Christ faith in God eh sometimes it gets tough faith you know another example if you ever want to show a kid how to have faith what faith is all about ask him have you seen electricity they say, no. Take them over to a light switch or outlet and tell them to stick a knife in there. They will see electricity. (laughs) Faith is the proof of the work of God. It's the fruit which grows when the branches are connected to the vine. And all the forefathers who lived by faith in Hebrews 11, they showed us that God is faithful. Let me give you some examples. Abel. He, was offered, he offered the better sacrifice than Cain. Why? Because he was righteous. Enoch pleased God, and that showed that he had received the righteousness that is only in Christ. Noah, one of my favorite guys, prepared an ark, proving that he feared God and obeyed his commands. And as we continue in Hebrew 11 this morning, we're going to see that in the lives of Abraham and Sarah. And this section, I believe, highlights four of the main points in their lives. And the slide will show it. By faith, what did Abraham do? He left home. By faith, he stayed in that strange country. By faith, Sarah received the strength to deliver a child. And by faith, Abraham offered that child up as a sacrifice to God. So my first point this morning is, faith made him obey. If you look at verse 8, by faith, Abraham did what? Obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And what did he do? He went out, not knowing where he was going. Hey guys, go home this afternoon and say, Honey, God just told me I have to move to New York City. And we're packing up the stuff tomorrow. You think she's going? <laughs> Probably not. But Abraham essentially did that. He said, honey, we're, we're moving. By faith. And what, what did faith make him do? Faith made him obey. Obey. Obedience. That's what he made him do. And, and I want to drive that point home because faith is not a work of man. In Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If you look at John 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit will be taken away. And every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that they may bear more fruit. I use that because I look at Abraham... He was in the vine. He bore fruit. When God told him to leave his own spot of land and to go, Abraham picked up his stuff and left. By faith he went to live in a land of promise, because and it was a foreign land. And what did he do? Scripture says he lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of this same promise. What I love about that passage is that it simply tells us that by faith he stayed in the land of promise. It doesn't speak of the times he left that place or the times that he was afraid and he did not do what was right. It doesn't mention that. And I guess that's appropriate because we have pretty much the same testimony when we look at it. Being in Christ, we live by faith. Our sins are cast away. And Scripture says, though they may be scarlet, as we shall be white as wool. On the other hand, he also believed that God would give us the land where he pitched his tent. I was telling the class this morning, I I spent a while of my life living in the deserts of Kuwait and Saudi Arabia. You know, tents are hot. It gets hot there. It's, and living in a tent with a couple other guys, yeah, I'm not so sure I want to do that. It's hot, people sweat, man, I won't go there. You know, and it's strange though, because it sounds so much like the prostitute Rahab, who had lived in Jericho and said, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Rahab, also a prostitute, she's listed in the Hall of uh, of Handiwork. She's in verse 31. So even though Abraham had his shortcomings, he wasn't perfect. By faith, he honestly believed that God would give him the land so that he lived in a tent. Now, anybody have a Pup tent. Anybody ever been in the military like I was and had shelter halves, little pieces of fabric, no floor. You drive stakes in. A tent has no foundation. And because he was looking for a real city with foundations, he, he, he saw that God had designed and constructed where he was going to live. Next slide. Sarah received strength through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive and was delivered a child when she was past the age of childbirth because he judged him faithful who had promised I asked Bill this morning Bill, want to have another baby (laughs) any lady over 65 want to have a baby not jumping on that huh Miss Betty, how about you? You ready? Sarah had you just about right. (laughs) Think about it. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) But you know what's amazing? What did Sarah do first? First, when she overheard God promise Abraham that she she would have a son. Anybody know what she did? She laughed, right? In Genesis 18, 12. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am worn out, and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Never having a baby myself, but knowing women have. I've never heard birth was really a pleasure. Was it for anybody? No, not so much. Okay. But you know, but she laughed, but then it's comfort to know that she who laughed, she's later referred to as she who judged him Faithful. The child was not born because Abraham and Sarah were great, perfect saints. As a matter of fact, you know, they didn't want to do with God's timing. They tried. God said, you're going to have babies. So what do they do? They go out and they work a deal with Hagar. Couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. You know, God's timing is that way. He wants our patience. He wants our obedience. He wants our patience. You know, And what do we do? We get mad when things don't happen right when we want it to happen. I was sharing that with the guys this morning. You know, we have become a nation of instant gratification to anything we want. I won't even tell you my McDonald's story, but I was at a doctor's office, had an appointment. Two hours later, I'm still sitting waiting to see the doctor. I'm about ready. My head's ready to explode. I want it. I want it now. I go to McDonald's. If there's three cars in front of me at the drive through lane, I don't go. I know it will take me four minutes to get through the line, but there's still people in front of me. I want it now. <laughs> Isaac was born because God promised. And guess what? God never lies. God never lies. Abraham was faithful to perform his handiwork. And Sarah, you know what? She didn't really believe God at first, but he worked in her to give her the desire and the power to believe in him. And finally she believes. Can I be a little real this morning? I do this. Aren't you and I, we're no different than Abraham and Sarah. Think about it. How long have we lived in sin and rebellion before we finally came to repentance? 42 years here. God bless you that did it at 8 years old and 10 years old, but I was a knucklehead. It took me a while. But you know what? How often have we fallen and even tried to run away? You know? I'm really not trying to be harsh or judgmental, and please don't take it that way. But really, we are no better than a prostitute or a hypocrite or a thief or the prodigal son. Sin is sin, folks. <laughs> there no little sins. They're all sin. Well, I only told a little white lie. You know what that's called? A lie. We try to justify things, don't we? And yet because we're, we allowed Christ to come into our lives and because we loved and we accepted, we, we now have this great high priest for us. We draw near to God knowing that we are given mercy and we are given grace. The Bible says that the righteous shall live by faith. In Genesis chapter 15, verses 2 to 6, it says quickly, But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is the of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be an heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, your very old son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards the heavens and the number, count the number of stars if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall your offspring be. And think about it, is that not true today? And he believed the Lord and he continued in him as righteous. Do you see that? It's all about his belief, his faith. It's not that Abraham had such a mind to believe God that happened. It wasn't him. It was all the work of God. My fourth point here this morning is... ...not having received the things. They all died in faith... ...not having received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers in exile on earth. Think about that. They just shall live by faith. These all died in faith, and they're talking about Old Testament folks, not having received the promise. Now, if you're going to be honest with yourself, doesn't that sound like a... a, Faith that's uh, in vain? Why, why if these guys aren't going to see the big dip? They don't get the, uh, they don't get the payout. How can the just live by faith and die in it? How can they believe that they will receive something and then die not having received it? We would question that, I think. Sometimes I think we do. But isn't that the point of Hebrews? Not the whole point. These folks were tempted to leave their faith. Maybe they could have said, you know, maybe we come this way for nothing. You know, but the author of Hebrews says, no. No, 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 no. Think about Abel. He was waiting for a Messiah, and he died waiting. Think about my man Noah. He was waiting for rest from sorrows. And what did he do? He died in his wait. Think about Abraham and Sarah. They were waiting on the promised land. And they died before they received it. Scripture says, the just shall live by faith all the way to the very end, even when they do not receive the promises of this life. You know, some of us are going to die unless the Lord comes back right now before the Lord comes back. Does that mean I don't have faith? No. Faith is believing in the things unseen. We know that this life, really, our bodies, are nothing more than a flesh tent. We're waiting on a city with real foundations. Where are we going to find that? In heaven. We could see it down the road... And we know God is going to do it. And when I was thinking about all that stuff, I reminded what Peter said about David in Acts 2, verses 25 to 31. It says this, For David said concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart will be glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh will also dwell in hope. Let not your hearts be troubled. There's another verse that may be a little closer to home in John verse 8, 51. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And the Jews said to him, now we know that you are a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Pretty strong argument. Pretty strong they go to Abraham again. Are you to Peter again? Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? What do you, what do you make yourself out to be? And what's Christ saying? If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorified me, of whom you say he is our God. Verse 55 says, But you have not known him. I know him. I know him. If I were to say that I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. And then Christ kind of rebukes him, and he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. Another translation uses the term persuaded, but uh, what's persuade mean? To win someone over. To convince them to do something you want. Think about the lives of those people and how God led them along. Showing them the path one step at a time. You know? It's God's step. It's when we try to take that step too soon that trouble starts happening. You know, these people... They weren't born with great faith, and it didn't come to them all at once. Anybody here, when you first started to talk, you had great faith? Why do babies cry? Because they want something right now, and they don't have the faith that it's going to come. But what did God do? God won them over. He persuaded them, so they came to trust in His promises. And there was no one who could tell them that it wasn't true. As we move on with Hebrews 11, Sarah dies. Abraham wants a place to bury her. So he goes into the town leaders and recorded in Genesis twenty three twenty four. he says, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. What's he saying here? This isn't my place. This isn't my place. Sometimes, isn't that how we feel when we get overwhelmed with things? In Psalm 39, David realizes how vain man is and how short life is. And his prayer was simply this, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give my ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my father's. Look away from me that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. David, when he was writing that, he trusted God's promise for a life and a country beyond this. You know, I was thinking, atheists, I I don't know how they get up in the morning. You know, what's the purpose? If you're going to go through all this garbage in life, What's the purpose? I don't get it. Nothing big, warm dirt, nap, and there's nothing. It's all black. I don't believe that. You know, I was thinking of a Jimbo when I wrote this. Can you imagine Jim? <laughs> Jesus came to him and said, "Come home." And Jesus came home, and Jim took Jesus home, and, and Jimbo's in heaven right now. Seeing things that we can't even comprehend because when they explain the things in the Bible about heaven, streets of gold so pure you can see through. I've seen a lot of gold, I never been able to see through it. You know, jasper walls and pearl gates and mansions out of your mind that you can't comprehend. Jimbo's seeing that right now. You know he had faith. I can say that about Jimbo. Jesus preached the same message in Luke chapter 9, verse uh, 57. He says, As they were going along on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another he said, Follow me, but the man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those in my house. And Jesus said, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I was a marine drill instructor two of the most miserable years of my life because nothing was ever perfect. And I'm sure you've all seen things about Marine boot camp. If you saw Full Metal Jacket, I was that gunny. And uh, what what do the Marines teach? Instant obedience to orders. Instant. Sit down, down, up, up, left, right, back, forward, whatever. No question, no doubt, you did it. And you were listening to old little Staff Sergeant Fitzgerald telling you to do this. God calls for us, and we go, eh, "Not so fast, you know." I got some things I got to take care of first. You know, car's kind of dirty today, Lord. I'll take. i see when I get through with the car. You know, they seek. Next slide, please. They seek. Verse fourteen says, "For they they that say such things declare plainly." that they seek a country. Now, it's interesting, I like doing word studies, and I got a little, I'm not real good at Greek, I can read some of it, but the Greek word for country is really parts. And the Greek word for father is paler. And so if you study all the nuances of the Greek language, we see that country there means fatherland, or the land of his fathers. We also get an interesting American, English word for that called patriots. So they were seeking a place that they can call their fatherland, country in parts. Another translation says, And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. You know, Abraham very easily could have turned around, gone back to Ur, but he was a son of the promise. You know, Abraham's mind was not on this earth. He waited for the land that God would give him. Now, now you see how that relates directly to Hebrews? It's saying, don't go back to Ur. By faith, go this way. Don't go that way. Wait patiently for God to give us what he promised us. As I said earlier, we want it, we want it now. I remember when computers first came out. Some of us remember them. Remember those big old floppy disks? And they were like 16 gig or something like that. And you sit there and just grinding. First thing I did, my wife at the time wanted me to download recipes. So she could do the recipe thing because it was one of the programs. It took forever. Now we have these computers on our wrists and in our pocket, the faster, bigger, more more information that the guys that went to the moon and landed on the moon have in our pocket. What's happened is with that access and availability, we become more and more impatient to the detriment of being patient to listen for God. I want it and I want it now. Yeah, because I'm living here. God, you know, he told me he's going to do this, but I haven't seen it happen yet. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew says. Next slide. They desired a better country. It says, but they desired a better country that is heavenly. Now, the Greek word for desire, it's really a cool word, because it literally means... To stretch out and reach. To desire something. You're stretching it out. It's it's sometimes used to describe horses when they were galloping. Or anybody ever go deep sea fishing and you you fight a fish? That's, That's the desire. You want to bring that thing in, right? You want that horse to go fast. So they're yearning for a better country. They chased after it. And they desired it. Colossians 3 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are here on earth. This is nothing but dust and rust. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. You know, there's the old, I'm sure you've heard this there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. Can't take it with you. It's just stuff. Just stuff. And that's exactly what the Israelites coming out of Egypt did not do. They had their mind set on something that they could see and touch and feel, and you know what? They had no trust in the promise. They didn't want to be slaves. But they thought that sounded better than following God. And, and you know they thought that doing that, we'll follow Moses into the desert. Why? Because it sounded better than marching into Cana and fighting the giants. They wanted the easier way, the lesser of two evils. But they couldn't see why they could not enter. It was because of their unbelief. Abraham was persuaded. And he embraced that promise. he was so convinced that not even his own death caused him to disbelieve. He desired a heavenly country. Now, there's an order to all this. God had prepared them for them a city. They were not ashamed to believe that in that promise and they stretched out to receive it. Abraham was not ashamed to be called. A God was not ashamed to be, to be called by Abraham God. The whole context of this passage is about faith. As I said before, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's the fruit of the Spirit and the work of Christ. You know, God made a promise to Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham. He promised a Redeemer, He promised life. He promised salvation. He promised an inheritance. They all believed and obeyed. Anybody not had these same promises made to them? If you do, raise your hand. I'll come down and talk to you later. (laughs) Really? These are the promises... You don't have to be a PhD to figure this out. He promised a Redeemer. He promised life. He promised salvation. He promised inheritance. And what's the proof of that? He said he was going to be killed on the cross. He was going to die, be buried for three days, and he was going to rise again. And guess what? He did it. He did it. If that ain't proof enough, I'll talk to you at the church. See a deacon. <laughs> but they all believed and they all obeyed. And they held out their hands in expectation, waiting for the promise to be delivered. And even when they had died, they knew God was faithful to give them everything. And it works like this in Matthew 10, 32, and uh, 33. So everyone who acknowledges me before man, I will also acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven. But he, whoever desires me before man, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. You know what? That verse is not meant to intimidate us. It scares the heck out of me. But it fits right in with what Hebrews says. Do not be afraid of what men will do to you because you have a great reward. God is not ashamed of you. And he prepared a place for you. The one who does the persecuting will find himself terrified where God is. And ashamed of them, God will just get out and cast them out. Next is they received the promises. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his own son. And verse 18 says, of those who is said, through Isaac shall be your offspring made,' He considered that God was able, even Abraham, he, God was able, if he killed Isaac, he was going to be able to raise him from the dead. And you know, in a, in a kind of figurative way, he, he kind of did. But the point is, in this life, Abraham was convinced that God would do as he said. Essentially, God, he says this. If you want me to kill my son, I'll do it because I know that you still have to do what you promised, even raising him up from the dead to do to do it. So if that's what you want, that's okay. Wow. (laughs) I'm just thinking what Isaac's thinking. (laughs) He got a big knife. Why am I carrying wood? But it was all planned out. You know, there's another mountain of of the Lord, and there's another um, sacrifice which was provided. If you look at Genesis 22, uh, 22, 14, I believe. There you go. No, 24, 22. If Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And by faith, Abraham offered it instead of his own son. I'm going to close with some points to remember this morning. By faith, they went together. By faith, they lived out the rest of their lives. By faith, they died still believing God. By faith, they entered rest. By faith, they will be raised with us when we come to meet the Lord. And by faith, They will live forever in the city of God. This is the get real part. Questions and applications. You know, as we listen to the sermon this morning and the scriptures regarding Abraham and Sarah, it should be percolating in our brains right now. I want you all to you get the, you know, by faith, eleven eight 8 to 19. Go back home and read it again. So it percolates some thoughts going in your head. So let's ask ourselves the following. Do we have faith, not fear? I got a cool hat the other day. It says, faith over fear. It's my new hat to wear. Is God leading you out to step out in faith today in a specific area in your life? Is he? Are you listening for that? How are you responding to that call that God's leading you to? How do you see evidence of God's hand leading you? You know, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, well, I think I should do this, but is that really what God wants me to do? Yeah. Faith. I, my my metrics is, if I have any confusion, I know it's not of God, because God's not the God of confusion. It's a simple test. So I'll ask you again, do you have faith or fear? And if we do have faith, everyone have faith here? Raise your hands. We all have faith. Yeah, yeah. Just make sure you're all here. <laughs> How do we make this applicable in our lives today? If we say we have faith, what are we doing with it? You know, one of the, I think I shared this a long time ago with y'all. When I die and I go to heaven, God's going to be there and he's going to meet me. He's going to say, good to see you, Fred. He's got this big filing cabinet, two-door filing cabinet. And he opens up the top drawer and it's about this full. He says, Yeah, you've done good. What would you do with Jesus? Well, you did good here. Did me real good. Then he shuts the door. And he takes the bottom one and he flings it on to infinity and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear said. And it's empty. And he says, But that's what you could have done. That's what you could have done with Jesus. You can only do it with faith. It's not faith in us. It's not faith in a pastor. It's not faith in the church. It's not faith in anything else, but your faith in relationship with God. That's that's the key, folks. One of the greatest rebukes that Christ gave, O ye of little faith. Could you imagine you seeing Christ walk around? He's raising the dead. He's healing the sick. He's walking on water. He's feeding 5,000 with a couple of bread and fish. And people still didn't have faith. So don't be discouraged. Because if Christ couldn't convince everybody, neither are you. But never give up trying. Using that faith. If we do not have faith, the question I ask is, why not? Why not? If you don't have faith, start opening this. Read it. Don't read it. Study it. That's more important than reading it. Studying it. You know? Let's go over in prayer. Father Lord, I just thank you this morning for giving me the opportunity to Preach what you laid on my heart. And Father, we do love you. And our goal this year at Faith Fellowship is to, to have fearless faith. Fearless faith. We all know that, Lord, sometimes having faith when things are easy, that's, that's real easy faith. Faith when things get tough, and faith when things get hard. And faith when things don't go the way we planned or in the time we planned, that's where true fearless faith takes place. Lord, let us dedicate ourselves to to your Son Jesus, to you, but also to celebrate and to just show our faith by walking, talking, spreading the good news of your Son Jesus Christ. And it's in his most magnificent and blessed name we pray.